You may be seated, and I want to invite you to open in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be reading this morning from verses 3 through 11. It'll be on the screen here behind me. You can follow along with your eyes, but we always want to encourage you, if you've got it there in front of you, whether digitally or in print, we would love for you to to see that for yourselves with your eyes in Scripture here today. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Amen? Well, just a couple of uh, housekeeping things. I'll make it real brief. Uh, Lanny mentioned this uh, marriage uh, conference that's happening in Annapolis, February 9th to 10th. Uh, If you want to sign up for that, you can go to our webpage. We have a next steps page with various buttons of how you could connect with our church. One of those buttons is a a way for you to sign up. We would love for you to be there. Dave Harvey, we actually do know him well. We're getting to know him better. Uh, He's the president of the Great Commission Collective, a network of churches of which we are a part. And uh, he's just a great man of God. And I think that you would just... Uh, really enjoy that. It's inviting for any, anybody who wants to come, uh, and so we would love to see you there. Uh, the other thing is that uh, I know last week, if you were part of our virtual service on uh, New Year's Eve, thank you so much for uh, so many of you that joined us for that. It was, it was awesome. I know some of you were still out of town for the holidays. It was neat to be able to connect that way. <clears throat> we mentioned that uh, we would have a special guest here today, Janet Custer, uh, Custer from Sanctity of Life Ministry. Uh, her mother-in-law passed away recently. And so she's a part of helping her husband plan a service, and I think it might have even happened this weekend. So she had to reschedule. She is going to come on February the 11th, so I do apologize for that, but she will be here uh, next month just to share with us what's, what's going on in the life of Sanctity of Life Ministry right here in Fairfax, Virginia, that we support uh, to help uh, moms and, and babies uh, experience life life through the gospel. And so we're excited to have her next month. The last thing I want to say is I am just so glad to see all of you here today. Some of you might be here coming to church because it's a, it's a resolution that you've got. We're going to be talking about resolutions here today. But, you know, with this weather and everything, and you may hear it actually in my voice. My voice is not very strong. Uh, I may or may not have been standing for hours out in the cold and wet last night in Baltimore cheering on my Pittsburgh Steelers the victory. Uh, my son and I were actually there last night, and so uh, there were a few times I wanted to scream and shout and thought, I got to preach tomorrow. So uh, I have a little bit of a voice left, uh, so if it's weak, you can blame it on the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, anyway, I was at a great time. But uh, I was just, I was nervous. I'm like, are we going to see people here today? Uh, Lord, are you going to bring people back? And you're an answer to prayer. And however cold and wet I felt last night, my heart is warmed here today to see, your, uh, to see you here, to see your faces. So excited. We just took a look at Philippians 1, 3 through 11, and uh, we're almost a full week into the new year, into 2024. That's one week down, 51 to go, and I have a question for you. How's your resolution going? 
How are your resolutions going? Uh, I have here an image here for you just thinking about, yeah, terribly, yeah, all right, crushed. Maybe you've already, you know, uh, eaten too much sugar or whatever already. Uh, researcher, researchers suggest, I found this article, researchers suggest that only 9% of Americans that make resolutions complete them. In fact, research goes on to show that 23% of people quit their resolutions by the end of the first week. Let's get that next image up there. It'll just discourage you, right? There's your list of resolutions, and there you are. There I am sitting uh, I failed my resolution, and, and not only that, but 43% quit by the end of January. So if you're a resolution quitter, you're actually in quite a bit of company. That's okay. Um, you, there's grace here for that as well. But what is a resolution? A resolution, it's a, a, firm, a firm decision to do or not to do something. It's pretty basic, right? I'm making a firm decision to do fill in the blank in 2024 or, or stop doing blank in 2024. And we think about those resolutions. But why are we so quick to fail at our New Year's resolutions? Well, first of all, as I was reading this article, first of all, it's just, it's kind of just this traditional thing, right? It's, it's the first of the year, it's New Year's Eve, it's like, I want to do this next year. And so there's this artificial like motivator. Well, it's like January 1st, so I guess I should make some resolutions, right? But if it's just tradition, it, it lacks real conviction and motivation to accomplish something, right? Second reason is that we have optimism without really considering the obstacles. We think, oh yeah, I'm going to do all these things that's never going to be hard. It's never going to be a challenge. I'm going to stop eating sugar, but yet, you know, I have a friend that wants to go out and get ice cream. And I have to tell them, well, we can go out, but I don't want ice cream. That's an obstacle, right? Because I like ice cream, right? <laughs> So we have these goals and these resolutions and with optimism, but yet we don't really consider the obstacles. Third thing, we set big goals, but we don't seek to achieve them in small enough chunks. We're overly ambitious. I'm going to lose 50 pounds in the first week of January. That is not a realistic goal, right? I'm going to eat bread and water for the first six months of the year. That's not a realistic goal. I'm going to run a marathon every day in 2024. That's not a realistic goal. And so sometimes we get overly ambitious and we don't take it in small chunks and so we fail. And then fourthly, it's just a lack of accountability. You may set these resolutions and yet you don't, maybe you're not a part of, I love being a part of community groups that help set goals together and you know, maybe you've got a Facebook group or something that is a runner's group or a, a special like uh, diet group or you know, whatever, a, a money saver group. That accountability, that, that responsibility that we help one another with uh, sometimes, if we don't have that, that's why we fail. Losing weight, saving money, Reading more, exercising more, maybe sleeping more, maybe sleeping less, pursuing a new field of education or career. Maybe you've got relationship goals in 2024, travel goals, whatever they may be. I want to ask you this. What about a spiritual goal? What about spiritual growth? If we believe the Bible is true, that the spiritual aspects of ourselves of who we are, if it's the most important thing about us, then the last thing that we would want to do is forget and fail in our spiritual resolutions, right? Can we have any assurance, though? A question I want to ask you this morning. Can we have any assurance in 2024 and beyond that our spiritual lives truly can and will flourish? That we will grow? that we won't stay the same that we used to be. I mean, what does this 
Christian movement even really all about if it's not spiritual? Is it just about the externals? Is it about going to church? Is it about just very uh, coldly and rigidly just reading my Bible without reflection and real meditation? Uh, What about other spiritual disciplines like prayer and evangelism? I mean, can I have any assurance that I won't turn out to be a spiritual failure? It's much greater than merely a a failure to lose a few extra pounds or save a few extra dollars. We believe that the Bible teaches that the spiritual part of who we are, it, it impacts everything about who we are. It's the most significant part about who we are because we were created to have a relationship with our creator, and that's a spiritual thing. And if that's the most important reason and purpose for why we were created, we certainly don't want to fail in the realm of our spiritual life. And so I want to ask you this morning, as you think about your resolutions, and you may or may not fail, there's no judgment here in your New Year's resolutions, but the one thing that we don't want to fail in is to say, am I growing in my relationship with my God? Where can I find assurance for my spiritual life? Think about that question for just a few seconds. Where can you find assurance for your spiritual life? We read it this morning, the verse that we're going to be focusing on. We read about 10 verses or so, but we really want to focus on this one verse this morning. Philippians 1.6, Paul writes this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a phenomenal verse. What a great promise. What a bedrock foundation for Paul's faith. And he doesn't keep it to himself. He shares it with these Philippian believers. Paul writes, I am sure of this, that, that word I'm sure of this means I'm convinced, I am persuaded. It's to believe in something or someone to the extent of placing reliance or trust in or trust upon. He is sure of this. I am fully reliant upon this promise here that I'm sharing with you. This idea of assurance, it's confidence, it's certainty. I read this great quote by a great Bible scholar and theologian, D.A. Carson. He writes this. He's talking about Christian assurance, that spiritual assurance that we could have that something is happening in us that will actually come to completion. He says, by Christian assurance, I refer to a Christian believer's confidence that he or she is already in a right standing with God and that this will issue in ultimate salvation. He's saying this, uh, Christian assurance, confidence that a person, you, he or she, I'm in a right standing with God, and this will uh, ultimately lead to ultimate salvation. That it's not just, I'm a work in progress. God's, you know, he starts building me. It's like a puzzle that I start putting together. A thousand pieces, man, I'm walking away from that thing. I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to it. That puzzle, who is Matthew? Am I ever going to complete the puzzle? It's Christian assurance that says that God is doing a work in me, and that work will come to completion. And this is our big idea this morning. It's really simple. You are God's resolution. You are God's resolution. We see that right there in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And, and you got to have, uh, what, what's a resolution entail then? It's three elements, right? And we see all three of these elements in Philippians 1, 6. It includes a who, it includes a what, 
It includes a when. Who's going to do this resolution? What is this resolution? How is it going to be accomplished? And then finally, when is it going? When do I know when the deadline is, right? Right? I have a resolution. I want to lose X amount of pounds by this certain date. That's me, that's what, and that's when, right? We see in Philippians 1, 6 that you and I, that God's people, we are God's resolution. And we're going to take this one at a time, the who, the what, and the when. Again, Philippians 1, 6 says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. First of all, the who, the who. It says there again, he who began a good work in you you. Who's the he that Paul is talking about? Well, it's, it's the one that he's praying to. Philippians chapter 1, 3 says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. And so then he says in verse 6, I'm sure of this, that he, the antecedent that the he is God. He's talking about God. He's not saying, I began a good work in you as an apostle. He's not saying that, you know, another apostle, maybe it was Peter came along or, you know, somebody that this person planted this church and, and they began a good work in you. He says, no, this spiritual vitality, this growth, it's going to come because it's coming from the one to whom I pray and thank God. He who began a good work in you. Paul's giving thanks and he's filled with joy. Now, Paul is not writing from a place that's like a, a beach resort now. He's not writing from a place of, you know, comfort. You know, his football team just didn't just win a game or anything like that. He's saying, I have joy and I have thanksgiving and I'm writing from a Roman prison. I'm writing from a Roman prison. And you are experiencing the same kinds of challenges and obstacles and persecutions out there living in the Roman Empire as followers of Jesus out there. But guess what? I have joy for me and for you. And I have thanksgiving even from this Roman prison for me and for you in spite of your persecutions and your challenges. And I guess what? I am confident about something. Why? It's not because I'm confident I'm going to get out of prison necessarily, and it's not because life is going to get easier from you, but for you, but because I am trusting in he, I am trusting in him, I am trusting in this God that I am calling upon. He's describing his prayer to God. God is the subject of this verse. Friends, if we're going to understand, is there any hope for me and God's resolution to change me and transform me, we first must remember who it is that originated this work in us. It wasn't a decision that I made a long time ago, although that was a part of it. It wasn't that baptism that I experienced, although that was a part of it. The originator of this work that we are relying upon to be finished in us, it lies in the powerful, mighty, glorious hand of God. He's the subject. He's the main player here. He's the one who acts. He's the one who makes this resolution. And so Paul's assurance is in God. He goes on to say, he who began a good work. What's that work? The work of God, it's demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I, I'm thankful, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel, the good news. It's this good news message that, that Paul says in Romans 1 is the power of God for rescue, for deliverance, for salvation. It's the gospel message is this. It's that God saves sinners in his son, Jesus Christ. 
It's a work that's founded in events that are outside any of us. It's a work that happened 2,000 years ago when God sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of human flesh, yet without sin, walking in our shoes for 30 plus years, and then going and it's a sinless man. He died a criminal's death for you and for me to bear our sins on the cross to deliver us from the power of death and Satan and through victory rising from the dead so that we can have hope. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. So he who began a good work, a work at a point in time, but it implies that it's continuing. You don't begin a work and then walk away from it. If you're going to do the work, you got to finish it, right? And so Paul says that this work has begun by the initiation of God but it has ongoing effects. It's going to keep going. But it's not just a work that's outside of us, although that's the foundation for it. It's the gospel. He says, he who began a good work, what does it say? In you. In you. It's not to you. It's not for you. It's not around you. He who began a good work to you, he who began a good work for you, he who began a good work around you. No, it says, he who began a good work in you. Prepositions are, are important, friends. God began this work in us, in our hearts. Friends, this gives us hope. God is at work in each and every single one of us who are in Christ, who have received the good news gospel message of Jesus Christ through faith and repentance and have called on his name. It's not just a work outside of us. It's a work that God then does in us, in us. When one repents and believes the gospel, at that moment when they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised them from the dead, at that moment, God begins a work to make that one, that person, alive. He gives you and has given you a new heart. He begins the transformative work from the inside out that changes you and me forever. God gives us not only all that, but he gives us the new covenant gift of the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit who comes to live and dwell in a child of God in their heart forever. This is the divine power of God display at work in human hearts. He who began a good work in you, friend through the gospel, you are God's resolution. And so what does that mean? That means this, our assurance is dependent on a person more reliable than any of us. You know, when you think about, uh, am, am I really going to fail spiritually? Well, if it's up to you, it likely will happen. Even the most pious and devout follower of Jesus is still not perfect in this life. They still are not 100% reliable. But friends, this work did not begin with you and me, regardless of how pious or how, you know, how much we struggle. I don't care how, how you feel today, tomorrow, the next day, whatever that may be. Maybe February could be the hardest month of your life, God forbid, but it could be a challenging month. Am I up to the task? Am I up to the challenge? I don't know you if you are, but I know who is. The reliable one, the reliable one, the one that says, I have begun a good work in you. You are my resolution, and I am going to make sure that I get the work done. I don't walk away from resolutions. 
I complete the task, and you are my resolution. Our assurance is dependent upon a person more reliable than any, any one of us. Often our spiritual growth feels slow and hard, and it can sometimes feel discouraging, but God is the one who is at work within you. Psalm 36.5 says that his faithfulness to accomplish and fulfill his promises, it says that it reaches to the skies. It's a poetic metaphor that says, if you could touch the sky, then you could find the end to God's faithfulness. His faithfulness reaches to the skies, friend. He will not let you down. He won't let you down. So why can I have assurance? Why can you have assurance here this January 7th? Because you are relying upon God who began a good work in you. To have somebody that's reliable is really important. Has anybody ever ridden on an on a Uber or a Lyft ride before? Anybody there? Yeah, right? I mean, you're putting a lot of faith and trust in a person, right? It's a lot of reliance, right, that this person is going to drive safely. My family took a, a vacation uh, several years ago, and we were in Boston, Massachusetts, and we, we had walked uh, the uh, uh, Freedom Trail from, uh, you know, Boston Commons out to uh, Bunker Hill, and we felt like that was too far of a walk back. So we're going to get lift, right? And we need, we're a family of five. We needed a big van lift, right? And we're all getting in, and I'm in, I'm buckled in, kids are buckled in, and I'm assuming that my wife is buckled in. And the Uber, Lyft driver, I can't, I don't want to besmirch whatever service it was. He, he decides that he's going to start taking off while my wife still has at least one foot on the ground. And he starts driving away, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, we're all safe and sound, we're all in here, and I'm thinking about what are we going to do next. And I hear this, wait, wait, oh, oh, oh. And we turn around, and my wife has this look of like, what in the world is this person doing? He was about, she was about ready to rip his face off, and praise be to God that the Lord was at work within her, and, and she showed patience and kindness and forgiveness, but it was a little bit of a frosty ride after that. She got back in, right? And when we put our hands in somebody, we got to say, can I rely in this person? Can we rely on this person? Think about this. When you think about, you know, not to be cheesy, the, the, the ride of your spiritual life I tell you what, the only person I want to have the hands on the wheel is the one who is perfectly reliable. The one that says, I can guarantee to make sure if you trust in me, I will get you safe and sound to your destination. This is what Christian assurance is. He who began a good work in you. That's the who. Secondly, what about the what? What about the what? It goes on to say in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. This word here, it's they will, he will finish it. It's a, if you like grammar, it's an indicative verb in the future tense, okay? I'm not trying to confuse you here. I'm just trying to say that it's not the types of verbs that we would say are, I might do this or that, or I may do this or that. Those are all based on conditions. That's not this type of verb. It's an indicative verb. It's a verb that says, Someone will do something. There's a certainty to it. And it's a future tense. It's not might or maybe. It's a will. I will. Paul is saying that this is a certain action by God. Well, what will he do? He will bring it to completion. Uh, I, I like the sound of this Greek verb, so I'm going to ask you to say it. Epiteleo. Say it with me. Epiteleo. That's it. God will epiteleo you. He will finish something that he has begun. He will bring it to an end. He will bring it about a, a result according to his plan. He will complete it. He will accomplish it. It's that puzzle that he says, 
I'm making sure this thing gets done. Even if Matthew tries to kick a few pieces off the table and hide under the chair, because those are uncomfortable pieces, I will complete that puzzle. I will complete that thing. It brings it to its purpose, brings it to its end. The work we just described in the point before, the who, it's, it's that work of God and through the gospel, and it's saving us from our sin, and it's changing us and then transforming us day by day. It began when you received Christ, and it's a work that God absolutely intends and will finish. Paul says, I am certain of this. I am certain of this. You are not a finished project, but God will complete the work that he began in you. Tell you what, I have so many days, I, I wish my spiritual growth would just go faster. Speed up the process. Come on. You know, I, I struggle with sinful attitudes and, and thoughts and words and behaviors. Now, I praise God that I don't look like I once used to, but man, I still feel like I have a long way to go. And if you're being honest with yourself in this chair here today because misery loves company, I want you to admit it. You're still a work in progress, Right? Still a work in progress. When will it go faster? When will it be done? Am I ever going to get over fill in the blank? He who began and worked good work in you will bring it to completion. Those old habits, those old sins, those old attitudes and behaviors, someday you're going to be set free from all of the entanglements of sin all the temptations, all the hurtful things of your past, all those are just going to be clipped away. He will complete the job, friend. Keep persevering. He's at work in you, and he not might, he not may, he will bring the work he began in you to completion. On those days when I ask the Lord, when I keep tripping up on the same thing, I ask, when, oh Lord? When, oh Lord, you ever been there? When, oh Lord, I did it again. When, oh Lord, I run back to this phrase right here in Philippians 1.6. He will complete it. He will complete the work in me. Many days I, I, I resonate with Jesus' words that he was telling his friends when he was in the garden. He says, hey, your spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen? Can I get an amen there, right? The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. I don't always have the willpower to do what I should do, but I have been rescued. I have been given new life. I've been saved. I've been transformed. I've been given the spirit by someone who absolutely will make sure that work in me will be complete. And so what does this mean for us? Our assurance is based on him and our assurance is based on a willpower stronger than yours and mine. It's the will of the mighty God of the universe. I mean, think about New Year's resolutions if you had that kind of will, right? Well, not only could you do it, like you could snap the finger and it could be done. God says, let there be light and there's light. And he says, I'm going to make sure that Matthew's transformation and his journey, that he is going to cross the finish line and he is going to look just like my son. He has a willpower that is stronger than yours or mine. I love to watch the challenges on Survivor. I know that show's been out for so long. Does anybody still watch Survivor? 
Oh, good. There's a few of you, right? You still watch Survivor? I love those immunity challenges where it's a test of willpower. Maybe it's like balancing on one foot or like holding something on their head or grabbing onto a pole for dear life. Because some of the challenges, it's like, okay, the biggest and strongest and fastest person is going to win. But sometimes it's just a matter of willpower. And I love to see people that may not have all the physical tools, but yet they've got a strong mental strength and capacity and willpower. And some of them, they bow out in the first couple of minutes, and some of them hang on tight for a long, long time. And I look at some of these folks, and I know how little they've eaten and how tired and dirty they are, and thankfully the smell doesn't come through the television. And I just think to myself, I would have bowed out 10 minutes ago. Look at them. They're going for hours. They're going for hours. That's amazing. Friends, we've got a willpower, a willpower behind your spiritual life that is so much stronger than anything you could ever conjure up about any resolution that you make. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. There's no survivor challenge that comes in your way. There's nothing that comes in your way or into your life that says, I can't bring you through it. In fact, even though you may fail here, I'm going to make sure that you're victorious one day. This is not the end of your story. Friends, some of you are here today and you feel like, but you don't know my past. You don't know how badly I've blown it. You don't know what some of the sins that I still deal with. Amen. Let's repent together, friend. But I want you to know this. Nothing that happens in your life is ever the end of your story. Why? Because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. It's not a book that you get to like chapter 9 and you thought, hey, there's 10 chapters in here. It feels like the story ended so abruptly. Oh, the, the, the main character died. I love the Lord of the Rings and it almost feels like, spoiler alert, that Frodo looks like he dies when he's bit by the spider, stung by the spider. But yet, there's still life in him. It's not the end of the story. The ring will make its way to mortar and it will be destroyed forever friends that ring that you feel like you're carrying around your chest it feels so heavy i'm never gonna make it he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion it's the willpower of our mighty powerful glorious god perhaps you're here searching today you recognize that your need is much deeper than mere physical health or finances. You can see that the material world is not all there is. So you've come searching here to a church for answers because you've tried to improve yourself, but you know it's just not good enough. I need more answers. Your willpower, even at its strongest, isn't good enough other religions try to tell you to, to try your very best, even at great sacrifice and cost and personal discipline, uh, but then the best hope they have for you is just to kind of cross your fingers when you die. Maybe you will land. Friend, I'm here, you to, here to tell you today, and this is based on scripture from God's word, specifically Philippians 1, 6, Christianity is not, I'm assured because I will, it's I am assured because I know he will. Christians are people who are trusting that God will carry them through all of life's storms and that he will complete the work that he began in us. The will of God is the foundation of Christian assurance and hope. You, you are God's resolution. Thirdly, we've answered the who, the what. What about the when? Paul goes on to say, Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When? Oh, I hope it's 2024. Well, it could be, but specifically, it's at the day of Jesus Christ. 
at the day of Jesus Christ. See, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, he has a forward-pointing view of the Christian life, a forward-pointing view of the Christian life. He recognized that the present state of our world, of humans, of people, and even of himself, it's a transitory state. Our present, we feel it. The brokenness is here. I feel it every day. I felt it already for seven days in January. I'm going to feel it for another 357, eight, I don't know, whatever. 359 days, right? 366 days, right, this year. I'm going to feel it every day. I'm an incomplete project. But there is coming a day when Jesus returns and all this transitory state of things are going to be washed away. Things are not as they should be now, but someday they will be. Paul believed in a real, future, bodily, glorious return of Jesus to bring justice to all evil and magnificent, magnificent deliverance and ultimate transformation to his people. We call this future Christian hope that we have assurance about. We call it glorification, to be glorified. The Bible describes a future moment for those who follow Jesus when they will be instantaneously and ultimately and finally and perfectly transformed into a perfect, immortal, and sinless image after our Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we feel like we want to live in that state here and now. Why am I still dealing with this? That's because there's a future deliverance that's still to come. You've gotten so much of salvation, but there's still a future aspect to it. I'm looking forward to that day. That means that everything that I experience here in this life, it's like it hurts now, but there's a day. And even when I have triumphs and, and glories, it's you know things that I have victories about. It's like, that's good, but it's not enough because there's coming a day. It's not election day. It's not the day that I'm hoping that I get my, uh, you know, I get my promotion. It's not the day when my kids finally move out and I don't have to pay for their bills all the time. It's not that day. It's the day of Jesus Christ. There is coming a day. There is coming a day when that work will absolutely be complete. Oh, that we would have a, eyes that look to that day, that long for that day. I just finished my year Bible in a year reading in Revelation. I love how Revelation ends. Oh, Lord, come quickly. Come quickly, Lord. And you could almost hear it in, in, in the voice of the author of John there and, and of the churches he's writing about saying, come, Lord, quickly. Why? Because you began a good work in us. We know that we are your resolution, but oh, I know that it's not going to be done until that day. Oh, we long for your day, Lord Jesus, when you bring justice and righteousness and hope and that you glorify this imperfect soul and body to be just like Jesus. Oh, friends, friends, it's a new year, and you may want to say it's got to be a new me. Oh, you can be a new you when you look to the one who can truly give you assurance, the one who says, you are my resolution. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Leads us to see that our assurance is grounded in past and future events that hold power in our present, right now in our present. 
Right now in 2024, we live in a between time. We're like peanut butter and jelly, kind of sorry if you're allergic to peanut butter. Peanut butter and jelly between two slices of bread. We can look back and see God has done a decisive work to give me salvation for sure through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, through the new work that he's begun in my heart to give me new life, to give me hope, to give me the spirit, but there's still the other slice of bread that needs to come together, and that slice of bread will come. It's the glorious return of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the completion of the work in you and in me. Friends, we need this assurance. We need this assurance. If you're like me, you would envision your current, you would want to envision your current spiritual life as just smooth sailing. Uh, I don't know, anybody been skiing before? Anybody been skiing? You know, I've been skiing several times many years ago in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, big mountains, and they have these great maps, and on the maps, you've probably seen them, these designations for their ski runs. There's the green dots, the easy runs, right? There's the blue squares, the intermediates, and then there's the black diamonds, and the double black diamonds. I'd be crazy at my skill level to try a black diamond, and I would, uh, you couldn't pay me enough to try a double black diamond because I don't think I'd survive it. I like the green dots And occasionally I'm okay with the blue squares, right? We want our spiritual life to look like green dots and and throw in the occasional blue square, but often it looks more like double black diamonds, right? In your life, you see double black diamonds, but Christian today, you could rest assured no matter what kind of trail God has you on on the ski run, God is at work within you. You're in between two decisive acts of God to initiate. He sets the resolution and complete to complete the resolution of his saving work in you. And he is at work in you now every single day, conforming you more and more to the image of his son, Jesus. Now, the moguls and the cliffs and the double black diamonds that he takes you on, you can rest assured they're for your good and they're for his glory. And they can never, ever, ever, ever wipe you out. They may be terrifying, they may be really, really tough, but they can never wipe you out. Why? Because Paul said this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's read it together one time from our words, from our mouths. I want to hear you, Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friend, you are God's resolution. So what does this mean for Monday? I have a feeling if you're like me, there's two types of us, two types of us. The first type is that, you know what, in my spiritual growth and in my spiritual life, I'm all about disciplines, all about spiritual disciplines. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to attend church every week unless I'm sick or out of town. I'm going to be evangelizing. I'm going to do all these things right, and I'm going to trust that through my efforts, I'm going to grow spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean that your effort isn't a part of it, but you're, you're relying upon your own effort. And the problem with that is, friends, is that when we begin to fail, when it's all up to me, It fills our hearts with anxiety. Am I doing something wrong? Am I blowing it? And you know what? I've blown it. I've skipped Bible reading today. I'm never going to make it. I'm a failure as a Christian. It's all up to me. And what does that do? That kind of pressure, because it's not right and it's idolatrous, it's trusting in man rather than God, it fills our hearts with anxiety. Maybe that's you today. 
The other person might be this, and there's this phrase that we throw around sometimes, and there's a minutia of truth to it, but ultimately, I think it leads us to passivity. It's this, I'm just going to let go and let God. Like, I just trust he's just going to do a work in me, and so, you know what? I'm waiting. I know that I've got to stop cussing all the time, but I, you know, when God wants me to stop cussing, he'll make sure that I stop cussing, right? No big deal, right? Uh, you know, I'm stealing time from the company, but you know, if God really wants me to stop, he's just going to let me stop when he wants me to stop, right? Let go and let God. What, friends, that leads to passivity, That's not the Christian life at all. And so for many of us, it boils down to two types of people. Either it's the anxiety that it's all up to me, or it's the passivity that says, well, I guess God just does it to me. I'm just going to wait on him. There's one more verse I want to read for you. It comes right out of Philippians. And listen to this. Based on the assurance that we have that you are God's resolution, listen to what he says, Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. With fear and with trembling. That, that addresses those of us that may fall into the let go and let God, right? The passivity. God has saved you and that salvation isn't meant to just kind of be wrapped up and put in the shelf and say, well, that's nice. I guess I'm going to heaven and being with God someday. No, you bring it down. You say, it's something that's to be worked out in the everyday stuff of life. God transforming me. I'm his resolution. And so I need to be an active participant. Lord, what are you teaching me here? This is really hard. Help me understand. I'm going to search your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask in my small group and biblical community, how is God growing me up here? here today. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And before you think, oh my gosh, those are scary words, it's really just this humility and submission as opposed to selfish ambition that Paul addresses earlier in the chapter. With humility and submission, I'm working out my salvation. It's not just let go and let God. It's saying, I am an active participant, but I know that the resolution rests with God and not me. But listen to what he goes on to say in verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You are God's resolution. Some of you may be feeling to yourselves like, it's all up to me. I feel anxious. Am I in? Am I out? I have no Christian assurance. Guess what? You don't have assurance. Why? Because your Christian health and vitality is based upon you and your performance. Oh, that you come to Philippians 1.6 today and remember, you are God's resolution. You are God's resolution. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you here this morning on, at the beginning, at the very first Sunday of 2024. And uh, Lord, we're the kind of people, I, I know the people in this room, many of them, we're, they're a doing type of people. <laughs> they, they love to cross things off of lists, and that, that's awesome. I love that. So organized. It's wonderful. But, oh, Lord, we don't want to be full of all kinds of resolutions related to weight loss or reading more or saving money or whatever, and yet fail, and yet fail to grow and live out the spiritual life that you've called us to live. But, Lord, I thank you so much that it's not up to me. If if my spiritual life and my spiritual hope was up to me, oh, Lord, I I would be condemned. I'm a failure. But I thank you that we could hold on to a promise today that tells us that we are your resolution. We are sure of this today, 
that the one who's sitting in this chair today, friend, I want to tell you here today that if you are in Christ, the work that he has begun in you, he will bring it to completion. You can be sure of that today. And so, Lord, I pray that we would go into this year as a church family, as followers of Jesus, as as sons and as daughters, as brothers and sisters, some of us as husbands or wives or aunties or uncles or small group leaders or ministry team leaders or employees or employers, whoever we may be, Lord, we can rest assured that you will complete the work that you have begun in us. So, Lord, here today, we lay at your feet both anxiety and passivity. We want to repent of these today. For those of us that feel the anxiety of having to figure out all on our own, we lay it at your feet and say, oh Lord, let your will be done. I'm looking forward to that day when you will bring the work that you began in me to completion. I rest in that today. And maybe there are some here today, Lord, I thank you that they've showed up. Maybe they've just been too passive in their spiritual walk. They've thought, oh, I'll just let go and let God. Oh, that we would be the kind of people, because of this promise that we plant our feet in, that we are your resolution, that we will work out our salvation every single day with humility, with submission, with fear and trembling, that we would say, yes, I want to make it my mission to take new steps, trusting in God's work within me. We thank you for that. We thank you that we have a firm foundation. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our God, who has begun a good work in us and will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We thank you so much, and it's in his name we pray.